G'day humans, what's good work? Chris Funder here with another edition of Wrestling Oldstyle, joined by Mr. Alex Freddie Williams. Alex, how you going, mate? No, man, I'm going to go to the game room. You're going to go to the arcade? Shouldn't you be in school? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, we'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking all things WCW Saturday night. More specifically, January 30th, 1993. All right. Ask your question now. <laughs> Alex, why did you choose this show? <laughs> well, earlier this year, I decided to go into the network and watch um, all the episodes of WCW Saturday Night that were on there. Uh, I sort of remember a time like early in my life, I'm talking like 94, 95, where Sunday afternoons or Saturday afternoons, I could be wrong, on on Channel 9, Win, uh, they used to show... It was either WCW Saturday Night or WCW Worldwide. Like, one of those shows. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, like, it was, like, WCW and the Disney MGM thing that I talked about on Fruity's Ultimate Game Show with the spinning ring and all that sort of stuff. And I just, like... For years, I used to record it on VHS. And, like, I'm talking, like, 2002, I was, like, watching back those tapes because I just loved the visual of it. (laughs) So I see on the network all these Saturday nights, I was like, oh, it's roughly around that era, so I'll have a little look. And earlier this year, I sort of binge-watched my way through all of them. But I took note of one particular episode for being the most outrageous hour of wrestling I've ever seen. And that was this particular episode. Like, two segments in particular just blew my mind. Like, where I was like, what am I watching? This is so bad. I love this. (laughs) Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about that more as the uh, show goes on. So... They're at the uh, studio wrestling from Atlanta, Georgia for WCW Saturday night. Opening video for tonight's episode, running down all the action we'll see. Then Jim Ross and Larry Zabisco are the commentary team for tonight. They have an interview with the Unified World Tag Team Champions, the franchise and the Dragon. Wow, this is... (laughs) (laughs) Did you even know? Like, quickly, before we get to... too deep into this. How much knowledge of this time frame of WCW did you have going into this? Um, brief snippets I've seen here and there, but through the ECW shows, I am aware that Douglas was on this at the time. Yeah, the the franchise and the dragon, but this is a this is a pre franchise Shane Douglas. This is just young. Hot up and coming baby face Shane Douglas. So they're talking about how they were attacked by the Hollywood Blondes recently and want to face them later. Um, we then go into action. Match number one Z Man versus Chris Benoit. Uh, Alex, take it away. Yeah, uh, this was um, a good, like, maybe five minute back-and-forth match. Um, Tom Zank, the Z-Man, 
he's not going to be remembered too by too many people out there, but this dude has some serious wrestling chops. He just uh, couldn't couldn't figure out a way to get get his personality to shine through. Um, so unfortunately, not much came of his career beyond what we see here. This is a very young Chris Benoit. He's got Brutus Beefcake style zebra stripe pants on. <laughs> A different look for him, but yeah, Chris Benoit gets the win here. We get to hear Chris Benoit's WCW theme song, which I think is another highly underrated theme song of all time. Yeah, it was a good little opener here. It's t- it's studio wrestling. You're not going to get your five-star classics, but you get a few good spots here and there. So from there, the, they cut to backstage. Tony Schiavati is interviewing Max Payne. What was this? Oh, man. Isn't this odd? Yeah, that's one way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, uh, his um, big, angry, gothy guitar man who is a collegiate wrestler. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Max Payne ends up at one point um, teaming with Cactus Jack in WCW. I think they had a brief run as tag champs. Um he goes on to the WWF and has a run there, a very short run. But do you know what his name was in the WWF? Uh, no, I don't. Sorry. The Man Mountain Rock. Get it? Because he's big and he came out and played a guitar. And he uh... had this electric guitar that was shaped like the old WWF logo. Oh, man, you got to look it up. It's just, yeah, it's so hilarious. But the most interesting tidbit of this man, Max Payne's career, is that if you look it up on YouTube, you'll even find it. Max Payne, during a, I think it was a European tour with the WWF, decided to make a home movie, which features footage of, like, Kevin Nash opening up pill bottles and eating pills and... Some of the dirtier uh, underlying stuff that goes on backstage. Oh. And that's on YouTube. So, um, yeah. Unsurprisingly, he was fired not too long afterwards. Uh, Didn't really have much of a career after that. Yeah, I suppose that's no good. Oh, it's just, yeah, it was... It's very w- weird to watch, but yeah, there's some interesting footage. If you ever get the time to check it out, it's not too controversial. Like, it's Kevin Nash holding a bunch of prescription pill bottles, but we all know what wrestlers did with them back in the day. But um, yeah, Max Payne, very interesting character. Not for the right reasons. From there, they go on to show a full replay of the Two Cold Scorpio music video. Oh, man, how good. <laughs> Everybody, here comes Two Cold Scorpio. It's like definitely early 90s music. <laughs> Dude, the, the effects in the music video itself, like... Why was there random squares and rectangles over people's faces? Because the 90s, man. (laughs) Um, uh, 
And like it starts off like with these kids like on a basketball court. <laughs> they lose their ball and the ball rolls away and it like bounces away and lands in this limo, which just happens to be the limo that two cold Scorpio's in. And he comes out with the ball and he's like, shouldn't you kids be in school? And then this one kid with just like absolutely no charisma because he's a kid after all, just goes, no, nah, man, we're going to go to the game room. <laughs> he's like, the, the arcade? He didn't say anything about an arcade. He said a game room, man. The arcade? Nah. We're going to go to school. How are we going to go there? We're going to go in your limo? Nah, we're going to be stepping. And they start stepping. Like the 90s dance move. It's just ridiculous. (laughs) It'd take them twice as long to get to school doing that than normal walking. (laughs) Yeah. And they didn't even go to school. They didn't go anywhere. They were just on the basketball court most of the time. (laughs) Oh, man. Which (laughs) leads into the music playing in the arena as Brad Armstrong and Two Cold Scorpio come down to face Ron Hadgen and Sergeant Buddy Parker. Late 90s WCW fans might know Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker as the guy who trained Goldberg which they brought in for an angle once in WCW where Buff Bagwell forced Goldberg to put his career on the line in a tag match with Goldberg teaming up with Buddy Lee Parker versus like Buff Bagwell and Lex Luger or something. I have seen this guy on a different show. So are you familiar with Luis Ferru, BBC Oh my God, yes. yes. And he goes to the power plant. Yes, I forgot all about this, but yes. This is the guy who's a trainer there. Yep, yep, that's the guy. Because uh, he calls it fake, so he just dr- <laughs> like grills him like an army sergeant at the power plant. Yeah, he, he has Louie thrown up all over the place and everything. Uh, there's, there's a possible future review. That's actually a good idea. Um, (laughs) I I had contemplated a few other shows like Beyond the Mat and all that as well I think one day we'll get to them yeah most of these matches are pretty quick eventually Buddy Armstrong and Two Cold Scorpio get the win here Uh, Brad Armstrong what did I say? Buddy Armstrong (laughs) Brad Armstrong they Dragon Ball Z fused together (laughs) Brad Armstrong and Two Cold Scorpio get the win here yeah, so, like, one thing I want to say about this match, uh, yeah, he's years ahead of his time, too, called Scorpio. He's doing, like, slingshot bloody, like, spinning corkscrew leg drops and, like, planches and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. Does, like, a moonsault, stuff like that. But th- how does the match end? With Brad Armstrong hitting a Russian leg sweep. Making Sandman proud. Oh, man. the Not even a white Russian leg sweep, man. Oh, come on. Um, 
But yeah, like we see all this crazy stuff from Two Cold Scorpio, and the finish just ends up being like Brad Armstrong hitting the leg sweep. Okay. Um, Mind you, it was one of the better leg sweeps I've ever seen. So then JR plugs the WCW hotline before the break. And when we come back, there's a video of Sting getting into a helicopter because he has an invitation to go to Vader's White Castle of Fear. Yes, this is our main event, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Sting in his, like, teal-coloured, like, leather jumpsuit that he's wearing with his um, Shane Warnes-looking sunnies. And he's, like, excited to go on this holiday, right? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to a party. Woo! Then he gets into the helicopter and he's like, oh, this is from Vader. So he didn't... So did he know, like... Like, what what was going on here? Like, he gets into the helicopter. He's excited about going to this party. And then all of a sudden he's like, I'm real nervous about seeing Vader. Okay. So, did you just find out that you were going to Vader's White Castle of Fear? Even though you clearly are holding this invitation that says that? Like, what's going on here? You're you're confusing the crap out of me. He was in a hurry to pack. He didn't read all the fine print. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the same size as the rest of the print. Um <laughs> uh. So he takes a helicopter to the top of the, like, snowy mountain range, goes into a cave, and there's a table set up with a feast and a bunch of beautiful women there, and they all greet him. And then Play out... the game. <laughs> Sorry? Play the game. Play the game. Play the game. Stringer. <laughs> uh, so then how comes... Vader and his manager, did you recognise who the manager was straight away? Of course I did, man. It is uh, the handsome one himself, Harley Race. Yeah, he had a bit of a (laughs) moustache going. (laughs) Not only that, like, he's got a moustache and he's got, like, this black, like, skin-tight turtleneck, like, a skivvy, basically, Looking like he's gonna be like, like he's a extra in like a community theater play, like where he just has to be in the background holding up a fake tree or something. <laughs> yeah, stress. like green screen blend in the background. Yeah, yeah, like like he has to play the role of tree in the background for like a community theater play, so he just has to wear as much black as he can. <laughs> But he's just got this skivvy on. Um, so it's eventually named that Sting and Vader will face each other at Super Brawl 3 in a leather strap match. Yeah. So um, we get this visual of Vader wanting Sting to play Vader's game. So there's a little person in the background with an eye patch on for some reason, but he's dressed like Vader. He's got like the same like white um, cape on that Vader has. So he's like a mini Vader with an eye patch. (laughs) 
Some of these sentences I'm saying right now, what am I doing with my life? Um, and Vader, like, ties a leather strap around his hand, Sting ties one around his, and then they're on opposite sides of a table and they're just trying to pull each other towards the other person and all of a sudden this table magically sets on fire. Sting is about to slide into this fire and then it just said, to be continued at Super Bowl, Super Brawl 3. (laughs) I love this. This was so great. It was amazing. It was like... It felt like the worst kind of, like, corny 80s action film at times. But it was, like, it was so good. And Sting's acting here was just, like, (laughs) so bad, but it made it so entertaining to watch. Like, like, um, oh. Vader, like, says to him, like, Welcome to my home, Sting. And Sting's like, Oh, this this cave's a lot like you, Vader. Cold. <laughs> <laughs> now you know this is uh, the second of the three WCW mini movies. Yes. <laughs> do, yep. you re- do you remember what the first one is? Uh I know what the next one is. I'm not too sure which one you were referring to as the first one. Uh, where he goes to the underground club and the code to get in, spin the wheel, make the deal. Oh, man, I haven't even seen that one in full before, but yes. With yes. Jake the Snake? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. They end up having a cold miner's glove match. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> Let's ask Michael Cole. He'll know. <laughs> Didn't he have one on Raw? Oh no, he had the coal mine. So oh. he had his like own commentary table surrounded in like plexiglass. Ahead so, of his time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh Michael Cole's made social distancing for years. But yeah, I have seen the next uh sting movie thing from WCW. The Beach Bash. Yeah. And <laughs> trust me, that episode of WCW Saturday night was very close to being what we were going to talk about today. Oh, doesn't it have your mate in there? Cousins it has Sid Porter, Sid Vicious. Yep. <laughs> oh you... man, the photo of Sid Vicious choking Anthony Kudafides <laughs> is like my favourite thing in the world. I'm surprised that him in the Carlton jersey wasn't included in your profile picture on Twitter. What? Why isn't it? I'm going to have to change that. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, um, yeah, so there's one where basically Sid and Vader and Harley Race and Colonel Robert Parker basically gatecrash uh, Sting and the British Bulldog playing volleyball with a bunch of kids. <laughs> and the the little person from this White Castle of Fear plants a bomb in this in Sting's boat. <laughs> 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 I 
was. Um, also, this is around the time, like a, a couple of months later, we get the um, infamous, if you've read McFoley's book, uh, Cactus Jack Lost in Cleveland videos. Have you heard about these ones? I probably have before, but just refresh my memory. So not too long after the Super Bowl pay-per-view, Cactus Jack beats Vader on Saturday night. So then they decide the next week to do a rematch for the title, I think it was, and Vader power bombs Cactus Jack on the outside on the concrete, which was like unheard of at that point in time. And Cactus Jack pretty much gets his head broken and he gets amnesia. And we get a series of videos of this reporter trying to find Cactus Jack in Cleveland. First, she goes to like this mental asylum and they talk about how Cactus Jack broke out and then they eventually bump into Cactus Jack in this alleyway in Cleveland and he's like preaching to all these people and he has absolutely no idea who he is. They bring in some kids like to to remind Cactus Jack of his children and stuff and he's like, I have no idea who these people are. <laughs> oh, man. At this point in time, WCW were like, no, nah, we're going to be a movie company. We make movies, pal. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just like some ridiculous stuff. And it like all to build up to Cactus Jack returning at Halloween Havoc to face Vader. Was it done seriously or was it done as uh, when WWF had, um, oh, what's his name? Um, detective guy looking for Undertaker. Oh, what's his name? Um, Leslie Nielsen. Yes, Leslie Nielsen. Thank you. Um, it it kind of felt exactly the same as that, but also like with WCW, you can never tell if they're actually being serious or not. <laughs> <laughs> After that, they come back. Jr. is talking to Steve Regal. Wow, he's so young looking here. Not only that, it's like. It's like blue chipper baby face, like William Regal. Yeah, it's like his first appearance on WCW because JR's interviewing him. Uh, where you've come from? What What are your goals here at WCW? And he's talking, oh, I'm from Blackpool, England, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, oh, he was wow. so soft-spoken here too. Like he, like he was like audibly nervous, you could tell. I'm so going to have to go back and look up that match now. Regal and Brian. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Superstars. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have to search that bad boy up. Uh, match number three is Eric Watts and Marcus Bagwell versus Scotty Flamingo and Rip Rogers. Alright. Quote the Flamingo nevermore. <laughs> So did you realise who it was when you saw him? Took me a little while, but yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And um, Eric Watts here. Um, prior to this era of WCW, um, 
was an era where Bill Watts was the booker slash promoter in WCW at that point in time, and Eric Watts is his son. And, you know, you see things like Eric Watts beating Rick Rude clean on Saturday night. You see things like Eric Watts beat Arn Anderson clean on Saturday night. But this is just after Bill Watts had left the company. And you start to see, like, a drop in his booking. And then you fast forward, like, a few months later, Eric Watts becomes enhancement talent in the ring. And it's just like, this dude had the weirdest career. To the point where, like, this dude was having matches with Lance Hoyt on TNA in, like, 04. (laughs) I'm not even joking. Like... Eric Watts had, like, this TNA run where it was, like, a gothic dude with, like, leather pants. I think he feuded with Raven for a bit. So there's just, your tie-in. Just imagine that killer elite squad in Suzuki Gun. Eric Watts and Lance Archer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, wow. One, one of wrestling's what-ifs. Uh, what if? <laughs> ah, I'm on. I'm un. I'm unstoppable with my puns the these last few days. So, um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really bringing the pun game. <laughs> Did you happen to notice someone who was totally buff in this match? Oh yeah, yeah. The um. They make lots of reference to the 1992 WCW Rookie of the Year, Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Back when he had a middle name. Yeah. Back when he had a first name. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. And another generic, like, blue chipper baby face. There was, like, a heap of these at this time. Oh, wow. And then Rip Rogers, like, notable wrestling trainer in that nowadays as well. Yeah, yeah. He, like, trained dudes like Randy Orton and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, And um, also, he's a really good follow on Twitter. Oh, okay. I might have yeah, to check he that is. out. He, um, like, he does a little bit of, like, crapping on, like, today's wrestling or whatever. But he, like, goes into depth, like, explaining it. And he, like, like occasionally, like, tweets out, like, wrestling psychology explanations and stuff like that, which is actually just really intriguing to read. Oh, wow. Yeah. Does he watch... One of the the true, like, great minds of wrestling that um, doesn't get enough love. Does he watch much AEW? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Most old timers do. Um, he has a lot of negative things to say about that, but I tend to ignore that part of it. I just like listening to him talk about like psychology and stuff. It's very, very, very good. Worth checking out. Fair enough. Uh, so Eric Watson, Marcus Bagwell, pick up the win here. Next, JR is talking to the Rock and Roll Express 
Uh, they talk about how recently they lost the Smoky Mountain tag team titles to Jim Cornette's Heavenly Bodies. Goddamn! <laughs> Match number four is the Wrecking Crew, Rage and Fury, versus Rex Cooper and Rick Ryder. <laughs> what a bunch of generic sounding wrestling names. <laughs> we got Rick Ryder. Rex Cooper, Rage, Fury, Wrecking Crew. (laughs) Coming to your local RSL this Saturday night. Check out the body slam and pile driving action. (laughs) Like, it's just like that sort of stuff. Oh, man. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I suppose it shows where 90s TV, early 90s TV wrestling was because even though Raw had just was either just started or was just about to start. I think this is like the same week that Raw starts. Yeah. They were still doing the same sort of product as their superstars, which was pretty much just this in a one hour format on Monday. Yeah. Remember one hour Raw's? Oh man! Imagine like if if you spent like most of your time like growing up in the early nineties, and then by the time ninety three, ninety four is over, you go into a coma and you wake up <laughs> in twenty twenty, and you just go from one hour roars and you turn on raw like oh yeah yeah I used to watch raw back in ninety four before my coma. <laughs> What is this? What is this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's something different, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Wrecking Crew, Rage and Fury pick up the win here. During the match, there was a picture-in-picture of Rock and Roll Express watching ringside. Uh, After an ad break, there's a WCW up-close interview where Tony Schiavone's talking to Gordon Soli. Yeah, uh, this this was, like, an interesting thing to do because, like, you know, bringing in someone from a past generation to pretty much put over your current product. That's what this accomplished, and I think this was a pretty good touch. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really enjoy this and sort of be interesting to see if there was anything noteworthy in the coming weeks with these and Gordon. Uh, pretty much it slowly builds up to Slamboree. Uh, Slamboree 93, a Legends reunion. And they, um, yeah, they just bring back a heap of old legends and Gordon Soli would do a segment each week, like announcing who the latest legend coming back is and all that sort of stuff. Okay. Was this about the time they started the WCW Hall of Fame then? No, the um, next year they do. Okay. Yeah, so Slamboree. But Slamboree is where they do that. Yeah, that's why I was sort of asking. I thought the timing might have timed out to, to 93 there. Um, You just bring up a good point. Oh, well. My upcoming Fruity's Ultimate Game Show show pay-per-view is Slamboree. 
can I induct people mm-hmm. into the WCW Hall of Fame and then chuck them in the free agent pool? <laughs> oh. <laughs> the answer um... is no. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is 100% no. But yeah. If there's an equivalent of the Slammies in WCW and you want to do that, I'd allow it as an angle. <laughs> Man, uh, uh, let, let's not talk too much about Freddy's Ultimate Game Show, but I'm about to do some stuff with some wrestlers on my show. Not the next pay-per-view, the one after, where I'm going to make wrestlers be gimmicks that they never even were. So... <laughs> We're about to get super creative. So, backstage, Harley Race is talking about Big Man Vader and Barry Windham's tag team match later tonight. They then go to Max Payne versus Johnny Gunn. Quick little match, and Max Payne gets a win here. Anything to add there, Alex? Um, no, no, just a typical early 90s big guy squashing a dude. Uh then they go backstage again. Sting and Dustin Rhodes talk about their tag team match versus Vader and Wyndham coming up tonight. Okay. So this is where, like, if I was watching this as a kid, I would be so confused. Why do you think I would be so confused? Um, I'm not sure why. Because the last time we saw Sting on this show... He was sliding towards a fire on a table. They freeze-framed and said, to be continued at Super Bowl. Next thing you know, Sting's just cutting a promo backstage in the locker room. So <laughs> You're right. I didn't even think of that. So, like, are we just to believe that, like, Vader just, like, starts to slide Sting, like, in kayfabe, right? Starts to slide Sting towards the fire. It just lets go and it says, oh, see, it's Super Bowl. And then they all just leave. Like, what happened there? Like, in kayfabe. Like, ah, uh, I need, need you to soften you up this tonight, later on. Yeah, get back in your helicopter and get going. <laughs> yeah. Like, what was even the point of all of that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, like, hilarious, like, just thinking, like, Stig just, like, falls into this fire and then is just fine on TV. <laughs> Co-main event of the night, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndoff versus The Barbarian. Anything really to add there? Boy, was this a late 80s, early 90s wrestling match. <laughs> yeah. Not much going on here. It was fine for what it was, but by today's standards, it was sort of a enough and happening match. No, um, the the crowd here though, just chanting Paula and stuff like that at Paul Orndorff. Um, but who whoever's idea it was for the barbarian to be a baby face in the early nineties, I don't know. It seems a bit odd to me. Who's the wrestler who chants Hoss all the time? Oh, that's the Berserker. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Was he ever a baby face? Uh, no. <laughs> no, no. 
No, but that is he was around in the WWF at this time. Yeah. Huss, 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 huss. Uh yeah, so Ondoff picks up the win here. Main event of the night, it is Sting and Dustin Rhodes versus Big Van Vader and Barry Windham with Harley Race. Um, yeah, so um at least two members of my fantasy roster. Yeah, so good little match, and unfortunately ends in disqualification because Big Van Vader gets involved on the outside with Dustin, takes him out. They then go back inside. Vader whips Sting as Barry and Harley hold in place on the ring ropes, but the locker room empties out just to save Sting as they go off the air. Uh, it's a good little go-home angle here, I thought. Building up to the leather strap match. Yeah, like, this is the last show before the pay-per-view. Oh, wow, I didn't even realise that as well. Yeah, yeah, so this is a go-home show as well. Um, I want to talk about one thing in particular. The state of Barry Windham's hair. He had a bowl cut that turned into a mullet. Wow. <laughs> like, the front half of his hair was just pure, like, perfectly lined out, like, bowl cut, and it just devolves into a mullet in the back. It is the most 90s haircut I've ever seen. Barry Windham, one of, one of my most heavily booked stars on my fantasy roster. <laughs> so were the horsemen around at this time, or had they disbanded? So around this time... Ric Flair is finishing up his run in the WWF. Um, oh, yeah. Rumble. Yeah. So I think a couple of weeks after this, they do a loser leaves WWF match on Raw between Mr. Perfect and Ric Flair. It might have even been the next week. Oh, wow. And then, like, give it a few months and Ric Flair's back in WCW. Arn Anderson is, like, written off storyline-wise at this point in time after this is a ridiculous angle that happened. But, yeah, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but fan footage is shown on WCW Saturday night, like a month before this, of Eric Watts at a petrol station filling up his car and signing autographs then out of nowhere, a car pulls up and Arn Anderson jumps out and starts attacking Eric Watts at this petrol station. But it ends with Eric Watts like hitting like a, I don't know, a wrestling move on the concrete and then locking on an STF in the petrol station. And that was the write-off for Arn Anderson for a little while. Oh, Wow. So, like, they made him look like a massive loser for, like, trying to sneak attack this dude, but he ends up getting injured. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And uh, at this point in time, Tully Blanchard had pretty much left wrestling due to a couple of failed, uh, how we say, wellness tests for recreational reasons. And um, he's on his path to finding the good Lord. Yes, and he's 
seems a lot better for it today, at least. Yeah, uh, one of those guys that got cut off. Um, his career got cut too short. But by the end of this year, we do have a four horseman, uh, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, a manager in Ole Anderson, and, of course, the most infamous member of the Four Horsemen, Pretty Paul Roma. The? <laughs> what? Yep. <laughs> you can ask who. The answer is, I don't know. <laughs> and I've watched it all, and I still don't know. <laughs> but you love the Horsemen at WCW. <laughs> So MJF's doing the whole hashtag not my champion thing at the moment. <laughs> I'm going to say hashtag not my horseman. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like they had Barry Windham in this company and they didn't put Barry Windham in the horseman. <laughs> ah, silly, silly buggers. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, then, I suppose from there, anything else to talk about WCW-wise? Uh, this is such a weird time period, but... And, like, yeah, a lot of what we're talking about, like, sounds horrible on paper. But... And it, and it is. It's all pretty bad. But... My God, is it fun to watch. Yeah, this was a really good watch. It was only just over an hour. Uh, just under an hour, sorry. Yeah, I, I feel like I made up for my um, Nitro Thunder disaster pick there. <laughs> it was good. It was just... <laughs> there was a lot to take notes on. It was a yeah. very fast-moving show. Yeah, so I deliberately tried to find you a short show to review after the double... <laughs> one um yeah but that uh concludes my three review picks and like you said on a previous episode of weekly wrestling rap um i'm very lucky to if i don't lose my uh, show picking <laughs> privileges after this run <laughs> oh man no they were good good to talk about something different Lockdown Man, was sort I, of... I'll give you Vince Russo, WCW. I'll give and you TNA. I'll give you Vince Russo, TNA. And just for the hell of it, I'll give you, I'll give you some early 90s WCW featuring a little person dressed up like Vader with an eye patch. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, he dresses up as um, Jake in the first video. Oh man, oh, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to hunt that down. <laughs> I suppose. With that being said, we'll uh, catch you all next time, then, humans. Play the game. <laughs>